My guest on this occasion is Janif Dineves, a research engineer and head of the Image Analysis Hub at Institut Pasteur. I have the great privilege of now considering Janif a friend. However, some years ago, I was just a fan of his work, particularly TrackMate. His reaction to learning this small piece of history was a true testament to his character. Janif is not only brilliant, he really loves the community he's part of and conducts himself with great humility. He even reveals in our conversation some of the ways that he uses to check his ego, making always sure that it does not grow more than he sees fit. We go over many topics, discussing his love for experimental physics and how the need for better measurements and his personal skill set drove him to develop TrackMate, and how TrackMate and other software he developed and maintained have evolved to tools that are used by the bioimage analysis community at large. I hope that you find this conversation as interesting as I did. And now I leave you with my conversation with Janif Tineves, Tracking Objects in Biological Imaging, a History of Experimental Physics, Microscopy and Software. Janif, uh, first of all, thank you very much for joining me. It's, uh, it's really a great pleasure that we finally get to talk uh, for the podcast. And then uh, maybe the first thing that I can ask you is um, if you could just uh, tell to the people listening that might not know you a little bit about, you know, who you are and, 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 and what you do uh, at work, let's say. Okay. Thank you, Alpha. It's a, uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to be with you. Uh, probably, you know, people should know that we are friends and know each other for a long time. <laughs> Okay, so my name is Jean-Yves uh, I'm a research engineer, and I work in a, in a very small facility, a core facility of the Institut Pasteur, uh, dedicated to bioimage analysis. I worked there since its inception, like end of 2017, early 2018. And before that, I was a research engineer in the imaging facility of the Institut Pasteur as well. Uh, this is roughly it. Perfect. And uh, so so basically, then I think that the, the simplest question I would have or the one that I'm quite interested in is a bit kind of going into history. And it would mm -hmm. be like, how, how did you get involved with computers? Like, do, do you remember your first interactions with a computer? Very well. But it's probably not, not going to be very interesting for you because it was as a kid, as a schoolboy in the, in the small village of Elsass, mm -hmm. in the northeast of France, and we had Thomson computers in school. Uh, probably you, you, you probably don't know that, but it was a, a French computers with a French initiative from the French government in trying to put computers everywhere in France. Okay. And the, you just derive, I'm speaking about the 80s, uh, probably mm -hmm. even early 80s. Uh, maybe not early 80s, 95, 97, something like this. They were very limited, but I didn't know at the time. And uh, the, uh, our teacher wanted to teach us the turtle language. All right. Do you, do you know what it is? No, no, not really. I mean, I think I have uh, heard it before, but I never, definitely never used it. I've looked it on the internet, uh, like uh, relatively recently, and it seemed to be a thing internationally, right? And so you have a turtle on the white screen. The turtle is a triangle, and you can pass it commands such as you know, move one step ahead, 
turn by you know one degrees and so on. And then there are four loops. And as the turtle moves, it makes a picture, circles, straight lines, that kind of thing. All right, all right. And as a boy, young boy, uh, I don't know why, I was totally excited by that. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, for, I don't know what the reasons, you know. I'm, I'm much, much older than you. And I said that, you know, when I was young, the future or, you know, everything related to technology as we fantasize it, robots, you know, flying saucers, spaceships, and so on, they were very exciting, right? Because there was, that was the age of Star Wars, of Blade Runners, that kind of things. Everything technology at this time was new and super exciting, even the simplest stuff. As a kid, as a boy, I was totally intrigued. I was fascinated by that. I wanted to have this and more and more and more. But then do, it you, was do you think that it was also kind of feeding not only on your interest in the computer, but also your interest in, in, in let's say, in, uh, you know, this sci-fi Uh, you know, culture of, of movies and books and what could be possible if, if, you know, like, it would be like, what would it be possible if I actually learn how to do the things that the future seems to be bringing to us or something like that? Mm. Maybe not, actually. The, I would say that, you know, the cultural stuff at this stage, at this era, they set the stage, but the, for me, it was... I was more into it because there were machines like, you know, automatons mm -hmm. that were particularly working well and which you could interact, understand, make stuff with. And so uh, it was more general interest towards machine because I didn't, I didn't go into computing after that, actually. Okay. I've never been uh, in computer science or in math. I was never good in that. Actually, I went to physics uh, for another set of reasons that are valid as well. <laughs> But the, 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 I think the, the common interest was machines, like you know, stuff created by men. Okay. And that you could you know work with, understand. But then you were interested in the in the machine and being able to learn how to control the machine in a way, then through computers. Ouais, voilà. All right. Like, all right. Know, Something constructive you could interact with. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Rafa, I could you know, return you the question. Yeah. Because you're into computers as well, right? We are, we are kind of very similar. What, what, what's your earliest souvenir with machines, with computers, Ooh. let's say? Well, I think that one of the earliest I had is my, my mother was a, a teacher of mathematics at university. And uh -huh. uh, one of the things they, they had in the department where my mom was working was a, was a laboratory with computers. And, you know, that was a time still like in Latin America, we were a little bit behind, you know, the computers were not so common. And, you know, there, there were plenty of computers. So I could go there and sort of try to sit down and, and see what these things could do. And there was um, a person there, I guess he was a student, a young guy that was trying to teach me that they had this program to um, to draw uh, different sort of um, uh, mathematical functions. But you can actually use it just to draw things if you want it, you know. Uh -huh. um, so, so it was very interesting because it was this little program where you could either draw with the with the mouse and some and some UI, or you could try to write equations and they will appear on the screen, like the lines or the or the parabolas and things like that. And so I remember that was my first uh, interaction with it, and I just remember I was really fascinated with it. I just wanted to stay there all the time. 
So after that, uh, every time my mom was going to work, I was just going to try to see uh -huh. if there was somebody in the lab and I could just enter and sit in one of the computers. <laughs> the fascination, right? Yeah, I totally relate to that. But you know, uh, there was another stuff is that these kind of machines and what they were very rare. And uh, the stuff they could do was very limited. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you, know, you and I, we have kids now, and for their, they, they were born with the internet. If you see what I mean, right? When they were born, the internet was already there and was already a thing. Yes. And uh, the, the range of stimulation they have when it comes to computer technology and internet is just incredibly higher than we experience. And I was wondering if 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 they could get excited for for what. Just in the same way we were, you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I can, I I think that to some level they can. I can tell you, like, for example, the the same way you were describing that that you were interested in this sort of uh, turtle um, computer, you know, language and so on. Now I have seen, in, for example, in schools here they have this little uh, robot that looks like a bee, and it just it's very simple. It has just a few buttons, and it's really just a programmable loop, right? So you mm -hmm. can say to the robot, like, go forward, forward, stop, go right, go left, and forward, forward. These sort of instructions, you know? And um, and, and they, they are super excited to be able to program this little thing and then try to see if the machine follows the path that they thought that they had, you know, programmed the machine to do. And the other day I sit, uh, I sat with my oldest and I just show him, uh, because he's learning numbers now, and he's uh, he was very interested, and I just show him, like, very simple Python, I just open, I open Python and I say, okay, you like to ask me about numbers, just ask the computer any number that you want, you know, any sum, any multiplication, whatever you want. <laughs> and ah, he was, uh, he was kind of excited just to see that the machine had absolutely no problem, you know, like he could answer any question that he, <laughs> that he will pose the machine. I play with Python with my, my young ones too. And, uh, it, we had the same results, but not with numbers. It was with string substitution. Okay. You know the the command to actually format a string and substitute a number or a word, and so on. It was for him. It was fun that you know you could put ape pig dad uh, <laughs> in the middle of a sentence just by executing a command like this. And yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That something else could do it for him. Yeah, no, I I think that they they, they can still get excited, and I think also this uh, what is interesting for me is that it, even the most simple things as this, just as a command line, that he was happy just to see the little numbers appearing. You know, so it's it, they he doesn't really needed any like fancy UI or or, or flashy thing, or it was just a simple okay. guess. Yeah. And, and so it's. Uh, you I have think video games at home? Um, we we do have, but we don't have so many. Um, so okay. for the moment they are still a little bit uh, small, and then we have show him a few games. But the problem is that you know I I also I played a lot, and uh, but all my my let's say my video games or the things that I have are for significantly older crowd. <laughs> right, right, right. So I would have to significantly adapt the the, the games around at home. Uh, but uh, but yeah, probably something that we will do a little bit in the future. So for the moment, what we have been doing a lot is trying to, um, because we know that they also have some some games in school uh, and and some movies and some stuff like that. So then what we are trying to do is more like make sure that uh, we go out, we hike, we go to the mountains, we go to the um, to the lakes, or we 
uh, you know, kind of activities outside. Um, also, you know, you like me, we, we work with computers and with microscopes. So usually we either sit or in dark rooms. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you, have, you have a point, but I, I have less discipline than you have, I'm afraid. That's <laughs> well, um, possibility too, right? I mean, Paris. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know the bigger city sometimes doesn't allow you to do such things. And uh, then the, the next thing would be, so then how did you get involved with, with the analysis of, of images that had a biological context? Because as you just mentioned a little bit before, you, you, you went into physics, right? Um, so, so how is that transition to go from, from physics to analyzing images that are generated from biological samples? I, th I think actually it's not an original career path at all. There are many people like me, the, the, and it's very common. So I was a physics student because I loved, and I still love physics a lot. And you know, as years of study went by, I was starting specializing myself into experimental physics, mm -hmm. not theory, not astronomy, really experimental stuff. And uh, there was you know, something I liked. There was plenty of machines there. And it worked for me because I had uh, some facilities. I don't know how to explain that. Some facilities with machines, if you see what I mean, they don't, they would not resist me. <laughs> All right. So and also, I, I guess mean? you were, you were not, you were not scared of them, and you were. I guess that the, the relationship was mutual. Let's say. Well, voila, exactly. There's really a relationship. You know, you could see a machine, and just by looking at the machine, you could see the guy that was building, that built the machine before. You could see how he thought, what he experienced at the time, and you just see the machine as a result, and so everything made sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, like contrary to many of my fellow students and friends at the time, like I, I had no problem with the machine, like. For instance, right, you know, you and I, we play the guitar. Mm -hmm. And for me, like, making music is incredibly difficult. Right. Like, at, I've been playing the guitar for really a long time, and I really suck at it, right? <laughs> no, no, really, it's horrible. Like, you know, every day I play with, tell me that, it's your horrible. And the, the, I have no sense of reason. I cannot make a good sound. And if I want to learn a song or something, I really have to fight. For, for, for days of practice, it's it's really hard. And, but when it comes to machine, no, not at all. Everything's easy. <laughs> like even the manuals, I could understand what I meant and so on. And so of course, you know, this leads you to experimental physics because there's a lot of machines to interact with. And even actually, it's a little bit about building machines. Right. And uh, you know, every time there's a measure. To make you quickly realize that if you could automate the measure or the capture of the measure from the machine to a computer, it's much easier in the sense that it takes less effort and less time. And so you go quickly from machines to computer connected to the machines. Right? And I've, at some point, like I reunited with computers, not for video games, but for actually work as ways to automate, automatize my work as a physicist or as a tool for my studies. It really took off during my PhD uh, because first, okay, never, never mind my PhD, so I was doing like 
biophysics on the neuroscience subject that was you know, um, the hair cells of the cochlea. Me and my boss, we were applying forces, but you know, measuring the exact forces, the displacements, and so on. And there was a lot of lab view and meta to do. Right. And so I think I, I really kick-started with that. Yeah, and, and after... then maybe I can interrupt you, sorry, because when you right? mentioned love you, I, I have to ask you something. How How is your relationship with the graphical interface of love you for programming? Uh, okay, I would say pretty good, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just asking as a, as a, as a somebody that it has a love-hate relationship with it. So, I mean, it was I was always amazed about how powerful things you can do with love you, but... I was always having this kind of bitter taste about the way you have to program with all of these boxes and cables and, and, and right, such right, things. Right, right, right. Okay, so uh, I had a chance to think about it for, for other reasons, uh, Rafa. We can talk about it later. But briefly, you know, there's not only love you in our domain. There's Lime, for instance, and if you know IC, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a whole like visual programming there. Yes, yes. And Okay, part of our job is also to make sure that you know the tools we make, they can be used by any, everyone. Yes, that's true. Mm. Not only the people that you know have facilities or love for machines. And um, in that regard, like for instance, I can see the, the visual programming of ICE is a great success with that. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a loop is simple. The, the notion of you know having an image that flows to a filter with results that flows out. It conveys meaning, which is immediate. And um, even the people that dislike computers in our domain, they start to like that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I think for for relatively small projects, and when you start playing with it, it's it's really great. Uh, I, I I will not. Uh, that, that's why I tell you I have a love hate relationship with it. I mean, it's. Uh, I just wanted to know if uh, what what type of um, opinion you have, but then also now that you mentioned it in the in the world of image analysis, these possibilities of these uh, user interfaces to help people, you know, get a better feeling for what they are doing. It, the power is, of course, very very large. But you're right. You put it right. Right. It's great when the problem the project is not too big, not too complicated. Because, you know, when the complexity level really increases in a project, like you need, uh, like, you know, playing with wires, cable, and boxes, it becomes unreadable. Right. The, 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 the picture to hold all of this is becoming too big, and you need, like, something more abstract, more logical. So you have to move to a scripting language or to a programming language. It's, you know, it's just a matter of complexity. Yes. If, yes. It's, if the project is simple, no, let's say simple, not too big mm -hmm. in size, then you know, this is perfect and fast. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, so, but then so far you, you were talking, you, you had all of these uh, machines, you were measuring forces, and then how then do you go into, into tracking? Like, how do you get involved in, in tracking objects? And I think that, you know, you, you are, of course, uh, the developer and quite uh, well known for, for TrackMate. Um, and also, I must say that you have a, a, a good feeling for names. You might not have a good feeling for music, but for getting names and, you know, Trackmate, Mahmood, Mastodon, you, you, have, you have style, I must admit. <laughs> so how did, how did you get involved with, with tracking objects then? Yeah, about the same way, right? For me, it was always a tool, something I needed to master to answer a question. So yeah, it was the same you know, for computers during my PhD, and then... Okay, Many things happen 
before Pasteur and after my PhD, but at some point I'm, uh, I'm hired as a postdoc in the Institut Pasteur. And the project I'm hired on is about, um, it's a really cool project, enfin, I'm biased obviously, it's about, <laughs> you know, we are trying to, to, to find, uh, for this project we are building a microscope and the microscope we are building is, uh, was supposed to be the one with the lowest phototoxicity. That was our goal. We wanted to do live, you know, live cell imaging of very fragile and delicate specimen. So we wanted to find a way, find a way, sorry, to achieve the lowest phototoxicity possible. But then I come on the project and I say, how do you know it's the case? How do you measure? How do you quantify that it's the case? And the, the, the long story short, the, the, the answer we found to this question was to use C. elegans embryo. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if you know this, this sample. For a physicist, it's a beautiful biological sample. Yeah, yeah. Because at any given, if you fix the temperature, the development of the, the, the silicon sample is really stereotypical. The cells, they divide always roughly at the same place, always at the same moment, the exact same moment, in, in, in specific, you know, predictable way of divisions and so on. And the idea was to say, like, if you now shine too much light on this, the, 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 you will perturb the biology. Right. Right. And you will alter the lineage of silicons. And so that was the project, right? We were imaging silicons at various imaging conditions, low power, high power, medium power, fast, slow, and so on and so on. And the, the, the outcome was, you know, how perturbed is the, the lineage of cells division? where they go, where they move, do they divide, if yes, no, and how much time does it take for them to divide, et cetera, et cetera. So I needed to have a tool that would let me actually track T cells, are they dividing? And I needed a tool that could accommodate like a, a really wide range of image quality, like from really low SNR to very high and quickly degrading and so on. Mm -hmm. So this is how TrackMate was built actually initially. You know, that was the the tool I built to to answer this question. I had I still have actually no 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 big background or no major contribution to tracking algorithms per se, like contrary to you know, Nicolas Chenoux, for instance, or in the lab of Gordon Stanuser, so many people like this, Ivo Spalsani and so on. For me, it was you know, just a tool. To answer a question, a practical right. question. And then, because then that, that's actually what, what I find fascinating about this part of the story is um, I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes because I think I can I can relate to that feeling. Um, when, let's say, when did you realize that TrackMate, this tool that you have been building to solve your problems, was starting to become something that other people were sort of using so perhaps it was at the beginning local uh among the people working in your group and then you know like how, when did you realize that suddenly it became a project that you wanted to not only use but maintain and evolve i think i can give you a pretty good date uh, if you look let me have my calendar but i can tell you it's going to be spring 2021 <laughs> i'm not kidding the like the, in my group, you know, like okay, in the 
that was the, with the imaging facility of Pasteur, and they were really into microscope mm -hmm. and microscopy and biological sample and microscope, not so much into image analysis. One of my very good colleagues, Andonka, there, she's doing image analysis, but mainly for high content screening and histopathologists. And so it's not that they didn't have interest for that, but they, they, they thought that, you know, I covered it. And so I was the only user of TrackMate there. Like, you know, I guess nobody knew or cared for the, the tool itself. I didn't realize much how interesting it was for other people until Nubias. Mm -hmm. In Nubias, people started to ask me to teach a trackmate, which I was okay. <laughs> and then, but well, you know, I guess they were polite and they invited me to teach, you know, something I knew, right? So I thought it was a way of politeness. But then you, Robert, as once was teaching trackmate and I was surprised, you know, trackmate was being taught by someone else. I said, oh, that's cool. <laughs> how, how did it feel to see somebody teaching that way? I felt like, you know, my job is done. I can't stop. <laughs> no, really, like really, really, really. But then the, the, okay, now I'm being immodest and I don't like that. But the, <laughs> like early this year, we tried to go from the uh, CZI grant, you know, the chance to go back initiative. Yes. We still be asking trying, you know, to find a way of fun, fun, funding Trackmate and Mastodon. And in the funding, you know, they ask uh, pretty good questions, which all relates to, hey, is your tool good? Is it well programmed? And is it useful to the community? And so I said, oh, that's a good question. Let's try to answer it quantitatively. And so I was starting trying to guess, you know, how many people were using uh, trackmate based on the number of citations, trying to do extrapolation about that. And I realized actually a lot of people were using trackmate, really a lot. For, for, for me, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Seen from the moon, uh, it amounts to nothing, but you know, I was, well, I don't know, not pleased, but surprised, happily surprised. But I didn't realize or I didn't care to even ask the question to myself before that, right? Trackmate for me, it fulfilled its goal. I could track my silicons. We wrote a really cool paper with Kevin Elicheri about it a few years ago. And I said, you know, the, the story, it's over. It was really good for me. It's been nice. I could, you know, teach with Nubias people on that. I loved it. I could you know, write a paper with Kevin, finish my project with Spencer, all good. And I didn't realize it would be useful, that useful to other people. Yeah, but I, I would say that it, this is one of those tools that, uh, because I, I, I used it before I, I met you. Uh, and then this is one of those things that when, when I met you and I realized, oh, this is the guy that made trackmate. I remember I was like, um, you know, when, when you sort of meet one of the guys that you admire, you know, like you're like, oh, she, can I, can I oh, talk to him? On, no, 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 I'm, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. When I, when I was in New Bias, I even remember when it was. Uh, it was in the New Bias that it was in uh, Luxembourg. Wait. Yeah, yeah. That's so the was... one where actually uh, Robert taught it. Aha, okay, okay. So, so at, that, at that event, I remember that I went there 
And then suddenly I, I, I met you because you were also uh, presenting a little bit what IC could do. And I went to ask you a couple of questions and so on. And then and then I was, you know, after I asked you the questions and you were so nice to me and, and very polite and so on, I went out and I was so excited. I was like, yeah, I met him and he talked to me. <laughs> N'importe quoi. <laughs> well, but uh, it's, it's, part of, it's part of the story, you know. <laughs> but well, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I must say, I'm kind of surprised that it took you that, that long to realize that it was uh, heavily used by, by other people. Okay, but you know, we could also face uh, maybe not so pleasing truth about it. Yeah. Because, okay, I told you, you know, in pasta, actually kind of nobody knows or cares, enfin, it was not important or something like this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, sometimes at the visit from my colleagues, that were interested in the in the software. And of course, you know, I was pleased to see that it was useful to others. I met them and so on. And from my meeting with my, my colleagues uh, in Paris, I realized that you know, the main interest of TrackMate was that it was for free. <laughs> you see, it, it, uh, the one, one of the person I met literally told me that, says, you know, compared to other solutions, it's free, it's fantastic. And uh, it was really depressing to me because it means that, you know, your stuff, we come and talk to you, we take some of our time, not because it's good. It's not good. It's free. <laughs> and, you know, like, let's face it, maybe that's the case, Rafa, right? Maybe people use it and like it, not because it's good, but because it's for free. It doesn't have any other value, maybe. I I don't know. I think uh, I think that you are going, you are being a little bit uh, dark-sided, let's say. But uh, it definitely it has it it has something extra, right? So I I would rather f phrase it that, especially coming from the place where I come in back in Venezuela, I can tell you that the the free tools which are useful and friendly are invaluable uh, for people that do not have way to access, you know, other type of software. Um, so I think that, it, yes, so in, in some contexts you, you can see like, okay, they're only interested because it's free, but for some other people it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's the only way that you will open the opportunity for them to have such things available, you know? Okay. I didn't think about that, but anyway, like, you know, every time where I need to keep my feet on the ground and not being coming yeah. too infatuated with myself, I always remember <laughs> this. Like when people say that what I do is cool, it's because it's for free. <laughs> that, that's how you check your ego, I see. Voilà. <laughs> and uh, so, so then maybe uh, perhaps a strange transition, but maybe it's, it's in place. Now that you were talking about checking your ego, I wanted to ask you something perhaps a bit out of the box. But um, um, so the thing for me is that I was like you, I was working with, with machines. I was very much involved in physics and I, I loved it. I, I, I loved the type of work that I was doing. But I still remember the first time I started to work with biological samples and I fell in love with them because they were messy and they were extremely beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, so my question would be like, do you, do you also have this feeling? Do you find beauty in the work that you do? This, if we speak about our first biological sample, it's complicated. 
but more, not necessarily the first biological sample, but do you find uh, like an added beauty in, in biological samples that, that perhaps you didn't find in some other places? Or in general, do you find that you are attracted to images? Because I, I'm also very interested to why we are so attracted to, to you know, to, to microscopy and to imaging. And I think part of it is, of course, our brains can make sense of, of, of visual data, but also I think it's because we find it visually attractive not only because of the understanding but because they are pretty i don't know if if you see what i'm what i'm aiming i at. see what you mean like you know some some kind of appeal to a visual cortex right that mm -hmm. has been evolved over thousands of years of evolution no but okay if we come back to your first question you know, what's so special about our relationship to to biological sample because i guess you and i were physicists mm -hmm. like The first I had during my studies, right, so I was in a school that specialized in making physicists and the two main roads to physicists was uh, quantum mechanics or astronomy. And both of them were actually frightening for me. Quantum mechanics was heavy on mathematics and were really crazy. <laughs> and astronomy, like, actually, some very good friends are doing astronomy and it's a very tough science. It's, it's, the magnitude of the void and the immensity of universe is for me you know, frightening and so the third part was actually biophysics you know, <laughs> let's use physics to study biology and you know i was like this is so great you know that's the bi biological sample is man-sized you see what i mean mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's something you can touch it's tangible you can relate to it it's important for your life I see you're drinking wine, but you know there's some physics and biology into that <laughs> as well. I guess. But I see like simple questions such as, you no, know, how is it possible that there are trees that are higher than 10 meters? It's incredibly interesting questions, and so I was super excited for that. And of course, I went all the way with that. But the one thing is that for me, you know, biological samples was really a cultural, an immense cultural shock. Like, like challenging my face, my mind, everything. Okay, maybe this, this will not speak to your auditors, but you know, when you study physics, you study the laws of the universe. And okay, you can debate whether these laws are man-made or if they exist in the universe, whatever, but they give you an understanding of the universe, you know, photon travel, gravity, that kind of things. And the more you do physics, the more you learn about it, the more you see the beauty in these laws and in the equations that capture them. It's mm -hmm. fantastic. It's, it's exhilar even exhilarating, I would say. And it feels safe. It feels great. You see the universe as a beautiful machine, a clockwork, something that works beautifully. Then comes biology. <laughs> And then, like you know, stuff like you know, there are no, there are no general rules except the only rules is that you will always find an exception. And then <laughs> a sample is never the same as another sample, and you know, everything has to be proved in super convoluted way by repeating experiments and trying to uh, carry out or factor out every variation and something like this. And my first true biological sample, something I worked with my PhD, was frogs. All right. And, and I said, you know, I was studying physics. A photon was a photon, and the next <laughs> photon was the same photon. And like the frog, it was, they could fail 
ill, they could die, they could be uh, depressed, they could be super excited, and so on. I was like, it's how am, how am I going to make sense of this mess? You said it yourself, Rafa. It's a mess. Mm-hmm. And it's a re- it's a frightening mess for me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my relation to biology, right? It's, right. It's, it's it's really something that I I respect with fear. <laughs> yeah, well, but uh, it's it, uh, I I I can sympathize with that, and also I I remember that because again I never formally was trained in biology, so I'm I'm learning as I go along, and now more at the facility, so I'm trying to you know read as much as I can and ask from my colleagues that are actually biologists and. Um, I'm still surprised about the silly things that that you know that suddenly they they show me that it's about biology. That I'm like, oh, I never thought about it that way, and and for them it's like it's completely natural, you know, like right, yeah, right. why why wouldn't happen this way? And it's like because for me it absolutely makes no sense. <laughs> I guess it's no surprise that you know people like us they they fall into microscopy facility, right? Yeah. The best way to make sense of it sometimes directly to look at it and see what's happening mm-hmm, mm-hmm. directly. Like I don't actually don't know of that many physicists that are you know in, in a wet lab doing biochemistry or something like this. I, I wish I could meet someone like this just to talk to him. Most <laughs> yeah. of the physicists I know, they you know they work around microscopes. Yeah, yeah, and um, and also the, the, there is something about the the. Um... Because still, I, I find fascinating, you know, light matter interaction and, and the fact that we can do all of these uh, tricks with, with lights and microscopes. And, you know, like, uh, I, I find it like so beautiful and elegant, the solutions that we have found to measure things. But then, you know, I, I go and I look at my biology colleagues and the things that they can do to their cells. So they do what they want them to do. It's, it's like wizardy. You know, it's like, it's it's seriously impressive. And I also I remember at some point I was um, I was also uh, I think it was when I was writing my PhD thesis or something like that. I was looking to see who was the first person to actually um, detect a a single molecule. You know, uh-huh. um, and I was trying to find uh, the oldest record that I could. And one of the eld- oldest records there is is about a person that was working on particle tracking in biology. Uh-huh. And this person, what they did is that they had, I think it was a relatively large protein and they attached to it something like 100 GFP molecules, you know, <laughs> something like ridiculously big. And of course, like the biological function was sort of uh, damaged and whatever. But but the impressive thing is that they managed, you know, with even at that time where the microscopes were not as impressive as they are right now, let's say, this person managed to track, a, a, you know, a single particle in a way a, a large uh, protein full of gfp in a biological sample and i was impressed that they managed to do that before many physicists did something similar in other contexts you know right now this is also an advantage we have is that you know, we can always be pleasantly surprised by what biologists do mm-hmm. and can do I'm, I'm always amazed like the first time i've learned about you know immunochemistry or antibodies, like reusing antibodies to stain a specific protein and so on. They inject the protein into a rabbit. And then, you know, the rabbit is being used as a machine to produce antibody and then they get it back. And I was like, 
Oh, clever! <laughs> oh, you're so clever! I was at the canteen at Farm, not past that, that was long ago, but I remember I was like, Yo, clever you are! Do people know that you're that clever? And so on. I'm like, What? But everybody's doing that for yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then this happens to me a lot, right? Too. You know, we have this, this, I would say not naively, but freshness. Like, you know, positively surprised by biologists and so on. This is kind of the best job in the world, Rafa. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Despite all the problems we mentioned in the off part of the interview, it's, <laughs> it's a fantastic job. Yeah. And, and also now what I, what I, what I have get, got to enjoy a lot now is that I'm much more involved in, in, in teaching, you know. And, mm -hmm. and now I get to have to give that same feeling to other people working with images. You know, they have been breaking uh -huh. their head with a image you know for for some time they come they show it to you and you ask okay what do you want to get out of this image and they explain to you and then you say okay but i'm going to show you a, a little trick and then i will explain to you why it works and i found it that this is the best way not to explain why it's going to work first just show them you know so i go and i show them a couple of tricks and then suddenly you see that big eyes you know and they whoa it actually works and i say yes and the cool part is that you can understand why it works so you can do it again <laughs> mm. And, I know that you're very good in teaching. Yeah, but I really enjoy it because I, I enjoy that surprise because it reminds me of my own surprise when I saw them doing right. what they can do, you know. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, really, it's really incredible the, the, the way I think all of us humans react to, to such things. Because if you are interested, if you're curious about it, you, you are really joyful and happy. You know, it, you cannot fake it. Well, well it's funny, yeah. but... Uh... So we're speaking about joy, surprise, like depression. <laughs> this is our job, right? This is hard science in quantitative imaging and so on. But yeah, it's funny. Yeah, no, so I was trying to explain to a friend of mine that, that is not in, into science, you know, and he was trying to sort of poke uh, people or our brains as to, you know, what do you learn during a PhD? Like, you know, if it's if you can explain it to some other people. And then I think that the best uh, example that I could give him was you learn how to fail and, and continue. <laughs> right, 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 right. So it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting, the, the fact that, you know, I was also trying to explain to them that in science, really, the only thing that we can really do is falsify our own beliefs, but we cannot really completely prove them. And that I found that that sometimes was kind of depressive, but it was the only way we move forward because many people just think that, no, you prove that you are right. But actually, in most cases, we just prove that we are wrong in 100 ways. So the only way well, that well, probably <laughs> we are right is the last 101, you know? <laughs> well, well. But I thought actually this was one of our strengths. It's not depressing. You know, it's being really thorough. It's mm -hmm. going beyond your debating truth, or that kind of things. Like, I really love you, your way of saying, like, proving 100 times that this is not true. You know, just to get to the truth, the absolute yes. truth. And, and, the, and the worst part is that you know that at any mo moment, you know, your colleague in Pasteo is going to come and tell you, hey, you were wrong 101 times because I found oh. this one. <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. And then, and then you have to start all over again. But that's it's, uh, I, I, I find it. I find it interesting that I can find joy in that. But I don't know if that is normal. <laughs> well, fortunately, you know, these cycles, did you notice they're very short? Yeah. Right, which this happens very often, so we don't have time to get depressed about something because you know 
immediately after. That's the next thing to do, next project to make. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. And there's, Having there's more no, to no do time it. to be depressed. <laughs> And then uh, talking about about the work and things to do, maybe I can ask you something again, a little bit, uh, uh, let's say sideways. It, it would be when you are, because you and I we are, let's say, machine and programming people. Um, mm -hmm. What does Geneve arrange around him when he has to program? I mean, can you? You are the type of person that that does it regularly, or do you need like you have these sort of long sessions, let's say uh, at night, where you sort of you know the the the, the, the muse, you know the, the the muse finds you and they suddenly start programming, or or how how is your relationship with 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 programming nowadays? Okay, I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you, know, I find this actually very enjoyable most of the time. The what can I say? For me, it's something that requires a lot of concentration, which means that you know, if I have the two kids that are fighting each other or swearing because the old one plays Fortnite of that kind of things, <laughs> I don't like it. You know, I need some, so I guess, some silence and some lack of agitation around me, and then I can you know, start diving into it. Mm. And it's typically long dives. Uh, when I start programming, I don't know about you, but for me, the time stops. Like, you know, after one hour, 45 minutes, I'm warmed up. And so things get faster. I can juggle with, you know, classes, abstraction, that kind of things in an easier manner. And then I start to produce. And then, you know, I can probably code in four hours batch or something like this. I have to interrupt because, you know, there's a meeting or the, I have to go home or that kind of things. But you know, right? That's that's typically how I work. Mm -hmm. It's really like diving, kind of. And for you, how does it work? I'm curious, actually. No, I think that it's um, generally speaking. I I think I also have the same feeling. I need to immerse in a problem for a while before I start to be productive. And uh, now, what I'm what I'm sort of learning more and more is how to make sure that I don't you know that i don't get stopped at the wrong place mm -hmm. uh so so i lose too much time so it's basically i I'm, i'm sort of diving in and then for example let's real i realize that i am more aware i managed to disconnect myself a little bit more before i would just go full in and not think about time but now i managed to be a little bit more aware about okay what time is it is the uses in the facility that might need my help like should i really go down this rabbit hole right now or should i annotate this in such a way that i can come back when I have more time because if not this this could be a disaster you know I spend half an hour going down into the trouble almost have it you can almost feel it and then suddenly poof you have to go uh, that's and, very and good so so I am trying to find that strategy that strategy that that allows me to sort of to know okay do I really have the time to go down this this rabbit hole or not um, that's kind of my my job the last uh, six months I have been trying to work on that <laughs> um, I guess I am I am a bit luckier than you, right? Because like, this is what we discussed since four years, almost four years, I think three years, I've been do working in a facility that specializes in bioimage analysis, right? So we just do that. Mm -hmm. And before that, indeed, I was working in a microscopy facility. And so I had the two missions, like microscopes and your image analysis. 
And of course, you know, I, I'm a facility engineer and so people can come at any time with an emergency. Even my colleagues at some point, you know, for them, when I was at the computer, it was, if I am at the computer, then what I'm doing is not important. Yeah, you have the time to, to stand well, up and help. <laughs> but, you know, when you are juggling with, you know, like three classes that communicate around, you know, 10 different messages and you're juggling with them in your brain, you don't want to be interrupted. Or no. something. <laughs> was, and uh, I don't know if you know this feeling, but this is how I, where I feel rage <laughs> when, when this, this happens to me. But you yeah. know, now that I'm working in these imaging facilities, it doesn't happen that much anymore. Mm. Sometimes people still come for microscope problems, but now I know it. It's more like you know, meetings and phone calls. Right, right, right. And then, um, then maybe now, now that you were mentioning the, the 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 facility work and so on, we I can I can move to something around those lines. I was I was uh, wondering. Among the challenges of, of running a, a facility or a service on, on image analysis, I think that one of the things I'm interested in poking your brain is how do you handle for yourself and perhaps also for the people that you manage to to make to, to do these sort of calculations as to how much time do you think you're going to spend on, on a project and how do you handle the the let's say their relationship with the user, right? They come with a problem. You kind of first have to do an on-the-fly expectation calculation of the time, but then also mm -hmm. you have to manage this expectation as you go along, right? Because maybe you realize, oh, uh -huh, I have found this problem which I was not expecting. Th these sort of things. You, you see a little bit what I'm aiming at? I totally see. And it's the hardest question I have right now. I don't have a satisfactory answer. <laughs> that I, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with just having a conversation about it. Don't worry. I'm not expecting <laughs> all the solutions. All right. Okay. So this is the this is the second facility I had the chance to build. Mm -hmm. And I don't I I don't know if it's still the right way at all. But the the one thing I thought is that this is a facility, so we are really here to support people to help them the best you can. And uh, the way uh, I'm advising my colleagues to work is you know, the same way I work with that I like. It's really support the user the best you can, which means that you know, marry the problem. So when they come with you, they come to you, sorry, with a problem, with a project and so on, you have to marry the problem itself, make it yours, make it your own. And so time doesn't matter so much as, you know, you should help them. They really need your help and you should help them the best you can. You mentioned something about you making a, a bold guest. What's the expression? Bold guest? Yeah, park. a ballpark game. Yeah. Ballpark yeah. guest. You know, yeah. Yeah, okay, this is going to take us 50 hours, 20 hours, 100 hours, that kind of things. So we are very bad at that, but we are getting slightly better because <laughs> we know that we are bad. And so uh, I'm taking metrics. You know, every time I, we have a project, and you know, I quantify everything. So I track project, how much time they take, and so on. And so we're starting to, you know, to build some experience about you know, predicting how, how much time a project will take. But in the end, with biology, what I noticed is that it always changes. And really, most of the time, like 95% of the time, the, the changes, they come from the user side. Mm. Either you know, they found 
another microscope. They found another way to stain. The problem has changed. The lab meeting, the boss changed the priority or something like this. And these changes, they happen incredibly fast. Like, you know, programming, you know that. Mm -hmm. Programming software development takes a huge amount of time. Like every single, every simple stuff you want to do with programming language will take you a lot of time. Like you, people think that, you know, because it's intangible contrary to hardware, it's fast and easy, but it's not. It's mm -hmm. very long. And it's, unfortunately, it's much longer than the time it takes for a project to change direction completely. Right. Right. And so our estimates and our prediction of how a project goes, uh, our estimates are almost always completely wrong <laughs> and defeated by reality. And so I, I, uh, I elected to say, you know, what matters is the science. You know? uh, do you support, do you facilitate and accelerate and enrich the science of your users? This is what really matters in the end, because everything else is going to be challenged and defeated by time and reality. <laughs> And uh, then the, the 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 next thing I I wanted to ask you would be like um, what what are the things that uh, kind of are exciting for you at the moment when uh, at work you know like do you have uh, a particular project that you want people to know about or is there something particularly that you know a new rabbit hole that you have found that is super interesting or oh my god yes <laughs> <laughs> okay there, actually there's two. The there's more than two. That's my issue. There are so many. <laughs> like the good, okay, the, the really good stuff of this facility, right, is that I have the means to try many things by myself if they are interesting to the campus of Pasteur. And so I could try many things, and many I found out that many, many things are interesting. But you know, they're still, you know, 24 hours per day, not more. Mm. Uh, it's a pain. Bon. But the, 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 the stuff on top of my head, but you probably know, like, you know, during the lockdown, I started to rewrite uh, TrackMate from scratch. Mm -hmm. I was starting with a discussion from a colleague that doesn't live that far from you, you know, uh, Guillaume Jacquemet. Yeah, uh -huh. yes. And it was accelerating the, 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 the goal of the project. Okay, so you see TrackMate, it, it was always meant not to be the best tracking software, but the most useful one. And uh, the idea was to be a generalist tracking software that you know, offers several solutions to a user if, if they want to solve many different problems. And the rewrite was about, hey, let's try to have ways to incorporate many, many, many different segmentation algorithms, many components into TrackMate. And so this is, this is what I'm, I'm working right now. Like, you know, trying to integrate into TrackMate as many of the, the, the state-of-the-art softwares sorry, segmentation tools that are made by others, you know, Stardis, mm -hmm. Selpo, Zynastic, Weka, MorphoLibJ, all these things contributed by our colleagues, they're awesome. They're really great. And so this goal was to actually make TrackMate so that anyone could plug their own segmentation solution in TrackMate really easily. Mm -hmm. Because then, you know, suddenly you have a tracking software that's really general and you can say, okay, I have to track, I don't know, like, you know, dense cells in a tissue. Cell pose is really good at segmenting them. But suddenly, hey, I can use it in TrackMate as the first first step. Mm -hmm. right? And so this is really great. I love it because, you know, it's, I started TrackMate when I was still unexperienced in programming. Now I have a bit more experience. 
thanks to well, I will speak about it. <laughs> and so it was like very refreshing. Like I feel like I was revisiting an old friend and, and making it better, kind of. So right now we are trying to making a, a preprint out of it, mm-hmm. and like trying to convince people that it's cool. And this is what I'm working on. But as soon as it's done, I want to dive again on Mastodon. Right. Right. I don't know if you know it. It's, 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 a, it's a work mainly done by Tobias Peach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know about the project. Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. That's the one guy you want to interview, Rafa. <laughs> Not me. You want to interview Tobias Peach. Like... It's such a brain. I mean, I mean, like one of my luckiest day was to have worked with him. I've learned so much by working with him. It's incredible. And your mastermind, all the good ideas come from him. It was amazing. <laughs> and so stimulating. Like I never, like I could remember when we were doing our hackathons, working on the on the new data model for mastermind. I had this surge of serotonin in my brain. I couldn't you. Even sleep at night, you know, sleeping is one of my favorite things on earth. And I was so excited by it. Like you're all alone in, uh, all alone with Tobias in a small gray room with no tables, like completely hyped about what we were doing. <laughs> Mastodon is really great. And so I want to finish it. And so after TrackMate, I'm going to go for Mastodon and try to make it better as well. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, uh, that we will hear, you know, a lot about it and, and I'm, I'm excited to see how it comes along. And, um, maybe in 10 years. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it, what we always say is going to be released soon. Well, uh, <laughs> like, you know, when I, when I use the word soon, people make fun of me. <laughs> yes. The, next time somebody <laughs> asks me something, I will say is soon like you need. <laughs> well, well. But it's, it, you know, but also you have to realize that you say it yourself, right? It's kind of the rabbit hole, these projects. They happen as a side effect of other projects. But for the facility, the priority is always our users. Mm-hmm. Right? And so when a user comes and says, Jean Yves, I have an emergency, I have a revision for a paper, and so on. And so everything becomes secondary to that. And uh, you know, trackmates you know, happens a lot of my well, free time. Kind of, but you know, I have to take care of the kids now. <laughs> uh, you see what I mean, right? So the, the yeah. time allocated to the cool stuff is, is not that big. And so this is why there's the soon with a 6-0 in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but again, I can tell you that um, I, was, I was a fan even before I met you. So I'm, I'm very happy that you're still working on it. And, and I'm, I'm very happy to see that, that you know, that, that people are, are using it and, and interest is there and that you can feel it and that they, you, should, you should be happy about what you have built, I think. I am incredibly lucky also because the community we work in, Rafa, it's awesome. Yeah, that's true. And uh, and with that, I think that's a, that's a great place to to stop it. To thank to the community and to and to thank everybody to give us the option to do this great job. And uh, thank you again, Jenny, for joining me. It has been a great pleasure, and and I'm really happy that you took your valuable time and you spent it with me. I the honor is all mine, Rafa. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit emotional now. Thank you so much for trusting me. It's it's a pleasure. I just you know wish we could be together in Gothenburg again.
Oh, soon. I, I'm, I'm hoping that soon. soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh.